I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Good morning. There are benchmarks for all of us who have given our lives to Christ in our Christian life. There are benchmark kind of spiritual places where we go back to and we look and see what God did in our lives. In uh, August of 1980, um, Jesus saved me as an 11, almost 12-year-old boy. In 1985, I preached my first sermon. It was awful. <laughs> Much like some of you probably think this might be today, too. <laughs> no, it was awful. And uh, I didn't know I was going to be in ministry uh, at that time. Um, pastor needed somebody young to do it, and I talked a lot, so he let me, he let me preach. Um, Anyway, moving quickly on. Um, in uh, 1998, God called me to ministry. Uh, I surrendered uh, that to him, and um, here I am today. But in 2007, there was also a benchmark for me. And to be honest with you, it came out of a series of messages preached on what we've been talking about for the last six weeks, about abiding in the vine. And what we've hoped is that this has been a blessing to you, and that this is... This has opened your eyes to some things maybe that you haven't uh, noticed in the past. We want this to be a benchmark for you too, much like it was in my life. I can tell you over the last six weeks, God, the Holy Spirit has absolutely solidified for me um, some things in my life that he is in total control and I'm not really in control of it at all. That it's him and him alone through me or there's nothing. That I'm attached to the vine and I have not only do I not have the ability to do anything, Listen close. I, I don't even live without him. So I'm going to try to pick up where Pastor Vance has left off, and I'm going to do my best Vance impersonation. <laughs> All right? But that means something to us, right? If you've been here for very long, hang on to the vine. We're going to talk about that. We're going to finish that up uh, today as we move along. We do hope that this has been a, a very freeing series for you, and that's what we've prayed uh, for you so that you'd know that Jesus Christ absolutely loves you, but that you can do absolutely nothing without him. So abide in him. As we begin today, what I really want to do first is I want to go back and, and do like Pastor Vance and Travis have done uh, previously and just take a little snippet of each week and, and pour that back into you so, so you can know where we're beginning today. We actually have answered three big questions completely and we're working on the fourth one. Um, the three big questions, here's what the first one was. The very first week, Pastor Vance asked us this question, what is fruit in the life of a believer? What is fruit in the life of a believer? And here was the definition that we gave at that time. Fruit in the life of a believer is the life of Jesus in me being lived through me. It is the life of Jesus Christ in me being lived through me. I, I think one of the issues that we have is that because we physically are still alive, we have, really, we have trouble understanding that Truth is, we're dead. 
And the only way that he lives our life, his life through us is that if we understand that we are dead. This is where you say amen. There you go. All right. Woo. All righty. Is, is anybody out there? <laughs> you you got to help me because I, I, listen. Anyway. Okay. Just remember the illustration, right? Fruit is the life of the vine being pressed out through the branches. Apple trees give apples. Question number two. What is the believer's role in bearing fruit? That was the question. Although Jesus mentioned six times in eight verses these words, bear fruit, there is no command to bear fruit. God has not asked us, Jesus has not asked us to bear fruit. Go do your best, make sure you can get that done. No, he's asked us to abide. Here's the definition of abide. To live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every single day. Don't bear fruit, he said. He said the command is to abide, to live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day. That was the second question. The third question was this. What is the Father's role in bearing fruit? What is fruit? What is my role? Now, what is the Father's role in bearing fruit? And here's what we said out of these verses, these first eight verses. There were actually two, I'm not sure if you say focuses. I think the correct word is foci. It just sounds really weird. But the two foci were this. Number one, he is constantly at work to put us in a position of fruitfulness. What a great dad, right? He wants us to be as productive and as fruitful as is possible through our lives. And he puts us in that place. Secondly, he is continuously working to remove the unnecessary things that keep us from bearing more fruit. He is constantly pruning us. And that's what the first uh, eight verses talk about there. What fruit is, what is my role, and then what is the father's role, and what an awesome father we have. Now, for the last two weeks, and this being the third, we have actually been talking, asking this question, what does fruit look like in the life of a believer? What does fruit look like? Like, if, if you were going to define for somebody or describe to somebody what fruit looked like, Tom, how would I do that? And, 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 and what does the Scripture say in these verses that come after these first eight about what that fruit looks like in my life? He starts in verse 9, and he begins to tell us what it looks like for Jesus to live his life through us. Two weeks ago, the way we said it was like this, intimacy that produces obedience. Spending time with the Father. Intimacy that produces obedience in our lives that we don't jump from knowing God to obeying him, but there's loving in between that we get to know him and then when we know him, we love him and when we love him, we'll obey him. And there's a progression of intimacy that leads to obedience. Last weekend though, we, we picked up another topic that Jesus touched on there in that same verse, verse 9. Another fruit was fullness of joy. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what you're going through, that is the joy of Jesus in me that makes me have joy. We realize that happiness and joy are two different things, and there's absolutely no way I could be joyful aside from his joy in me. That was freeing, huh? That we don't have to be, huh? <laughs> all right, praise the Lord. Y'all went to sleep again. All right. I'll help you. It's all right. Okay, so as we conclude the series today, we'll see that the last of the three evidences of, 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 fr of fruit in the believer, what that actually is. And before I get there, though, I want to kind of go back a little bit. We haven't talked about this much. But in the couple of chapters preceding this chapter, Jesus says some things that I think gives us a clue into the progression of where we are today looking at what this fruit is. 
In John 14, 15, it should be on the screen for you. Jesus said these words. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, 21, he says this. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Sounds similar, doesn't it? John 14, 23, only two verses later, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Seeing a pattern here. In the same chapter. John 15, 10, he says this, just a couple of verses previous, and what he's about to say again, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see, Jesus here, it looks like he equates commandments and love on some level. In fact, what he was saying to us is this, that if you say that you have the commandments and, and care less about them, then it means you care less about me. That your love and the keeping the commandments look like they ought to be similar. <laughs> it looks like they should happen. That it's actually abnormal for us as believers to know what God has said, to ignore it, and move on. Keeping his commandments. And listen, I... I'm not a legalistic person. I, I guess I, I can be. And I'm not pushing you to a legalistic state of mind, which means there's a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts. And if you make sure you do all the do's and don't all the don'ts, that you'll be fine. That's not what I'm pushing you toward. That's not what keeping the commandments is. The Jews in the first century tried that. The Pharisees tried. It didn't work out so well. Jesus had some names for them that weren't nice. I'm not wanting you just to do the do's and don't the don'ts. But understand that as Jesus lives through you, that your love for him will show in those things that you do for him. Those commandments that you obey him in. So there's a connection. There's a progression to what this fruit actually looks like. They're inseparable. It's abnormal to be connected to the vine and not keep his commandments. So what is the final evidence of fruit? If you have a word of God, you turn it there today to John 15. We're going to start in verse 12 and go through 17. We won't be exhaustive. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay. We're going to have it on the screen. But let's read that together today. John 15, beginning in verse 12. John tells us up front what Jesus said that day. Jesus said, this is my commandment. Now, before we move on, if Jesus is standing in front of me and says, okay, guys, Here's the thing. This is where we get our notepads out, right? This is where we start. Okay, 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 I got this one, you know. Let me get my phone out. I need to put it in my notes section. Okay, Jesus, I'm ready. This is the commandment. You've been saying this whole time, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, if you keep my word, if you keep my word. He said, this is it. Everybody listening, this is it. Love one another just as I have loved you. I mean, of all the things. I mean, aren't we already doing that? I mean, that's kind of now. I mean, we're sitting beside each other in here. I waved when I came in to somebody. I didn't say, you know, that many things that were awful as somebody cut me off who actually pulled in this parking lot. Makes you feel bad when you do that, doesn't it? 
Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in love? Have you ever, put it this way, because that means something in our society that I wish it didn't mean, but have you ever loved someone? Have you ever been loved by someone? Most of the time in our society when we hear things like that, it takes me back to a story that was part of my life when I was 12. You know, God saved me at the right time because puberty was coming. I got saved in August. In September, I turned 12. And what happened between 12 and 13, I'll never tell. But I remember one time in one of the services, I was at my church there in West Tennessee. And this girl came and sat down. And I sat down beside her. And it was in the summertime. We were having some kind of event. I want to say it was VBS, but I might have been too old for it. So I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it still was, though. And I remember when she sat down... Her arm touched my arm. She wore a sleeveless shirt that day, and I was rocking the 80s tank top. You know what I mean? (laughs) And um, so her arm touched my arm. I never felt such. (laughs) Something happened in that moment. So I began to ask other people, all my friends, to sit on the same row as me to push me down closer. She says to me, she said, there's no more room. I said, oh, there's plenty of room. Come on, guys. I don't know. They're just, they want to hear about Jesus. I don't know. I want you to hear me say this. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. I made that point to make this point. We think that love is a feeling. Do I think that feelings come with love? Absolutely. But if you define love only by a feeling, you will never love or be loved correctly. You know, there was nothing lovable or huggable about me and you when it came to the cross, right? Jesus didn't go to the cross because he felt like we made him happy. There was a feeling, oh, if I could, oh, they're just so warm and cuddly. Never. No, Jesus had a choice kind of love that he gave to us. Today, before we leave, I really want us to see three questions and answer those. But there's one thing I want you to leave with, and I'm going to tell you right up front what that is. Some of us want God to love us through our ear with a note that he wrote so we can see his face like Moses did. And that'd be great, and someday that'll be like we'll be face-to-face with him. But do you realize that right now, the way that God loves us, listen close, one of the ways and one of the main ways that God loves us It's through the body. We're his body. We're really good at loving each other if he loves through us. I want you to leave today and the thing I want you to experience and know is this, that he loves you through me. You say, Tom, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. But that's how it happens. Can he do it through the word? Absolutely. Could he do it himself? No doubt about it. Our God is that kind of God. Can God love you while you are in a bad place, in a bad way, in a bad circumstance, and nobody else is around? Absolutely. But here's what I found as a pastor. Whenever people find themselves in those situations, you know what they always want? People who love God to be around them. 
Have you ever seen that? Or is that just me? Do you know why? Because God loves people with people. Here's the question. What's another evidence of fruit in the life of a believer? And I didn't know how else to say that because this is the third one and we needed to kind of explain what that is. But the Bible says here in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another. Love one another. Here's my commandment. Love one another. Here's what I want you to do. Love one another. The third defining mark of the life of of Jesus in us is to love one another. And the way it's written, it's written in a way that that it, it could be better explained of keep on loving each other. Like, I know that today you love each other, but like tomorrow when you get up, love each other. <laughs> next week, love each other. Next month, next year, next decade, love each other. It's going to have to be something that you choose every single day. Keep on keeping on. Continue. Stay in that love for each other. Listen, we're a family. We've said it three times. It's the third time we've said it in this service. Families love each other. But sometimes families don't like each other. That's why love's not a feeling. If it is, we'll quit. We'll quit each other. We won't encourage each other. We'll go right past loving each other because we don't like each other. This is really the first notable, noticeable outward expression that he mentions of these three. The first one and the second one, intimacy that produces obedience and fullness of joy, are, could, could somewhat be construed as and understood as inward that come out right but sometimes inwards it stays inward too the joy of God and the intimacy you have with God but this one this one's noticeable to everybody everybody on the outside and sometimes we don't understand why some people may avoid us and you may not have some there may be somebody that you could have in your life that you don't have in your life because they're watching how you love everybody else and they're noticing you're not loving people and so they go I don't want to be one of them (laughs) Everybody can see that, and everybody knows what that looks like to love somebody else. But look at the specificity with which Jesus speaks here. He doesn't just say, love one another. Look what he says. Just as I have loved you. Just as as I have loved you. Love each other like I've loved you. Like, it's great to love the world, It's great to love people. That's a general principle that is good wherever you go, right? But here, he's being very specific. He's looking at 11 people, and he's going, guys, here's what I want you to know. Judas is gone. There will be another that will come. They didn't know that at the time. But there are 11 of them here, and he looks at them and said, okay, here's the deal. Peter, you got to love John. John, you got to love James. James, you got to love Bartholomew. Do you understand what I mean here? I mean, of all people, why would he have had to say this to them? Because he knew what was coming. There was going to be something, there were going to be a lot of somethings that, were, that would make them want to fight and, 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 and be at odds at each other. And maybe, listen, even blame each other because Peter's about to deny. Can you imagine if the other guys found out? Peter is supposed to be the leader. Here's what we know, though. Not only did Peter deny God, all of them fell away because nobody, when Jesus went to the cross, was there. They were shamed Maybe even to be together. The talk of his love for them. He said, you better love each other. Here's what I want to tell you today. We're not going to lock the doors or close this place down. The fire code would get us. But here's what I want you to know. You, as a follower of Jesus, especially those of you who are members here at Hope, 
have an obligation to love each other. Are we going to love Las Vegas? You better believe it. But I'm telling you this. We'll never love Las Vegas if we don't love the people in this room. We'll never love the rest of the city, the rest of this world, unless we love the people in this room. And listen, here's what Jesus knows. He knows what's coming for us too. He, did not, he, he not only knew what the disciples are going to go through, he knows what we are going to go through together as a church. He knows what we've gone through, he knows where we are, and he knows where we're going to be. So love one another. First Corinthians, Paul tells us what love looks like. He says it like this. He said, this love is patient, kind. This love is not envious. This love is not boastful or arrogant. It's not rude. It's not selfish. It's not, here's one that's going to hurt our feelings, irritable. It's not resentful. Love is not happy about evil things, but it's really happy about things of the truth. Love is, finds itself in being not too, nothing's too heavy for love. It bears all things. Love is hopeful. It's enduring. It never ends. It's overflowing just because you want to. With no feeling involved at times, but bring great feeling in the end, do you love other people? Do you love other believers? But this one another, I can't get away from the specificity of this one another. Those who are in the family, those who are here, not those outside the faith, those who are sitting in this room, those who are part of Hope Church. Jesus was speaking specifically to them. Love each other, he said. It's a command. It's not an option. He said, here's my commandment. At the end of last year, we preached a series of messages called I Belong. Do you remember those messages? One of them was about love. And we, Pastor Vance talked extensively about that one. Um, but we want you to know that we unpacked in that, and it's still here for us today, we unpacked in that series trying to make you understand that as a family, there's some obligations that we have with each other. And there are some ways that we talk to each other and love on each other, that this is not a, a club, this is not an organization. Listen, the Bible says that literally we are blood kin. Any Tennesseans in the room besides me? Praise the Lord. There's a couple. Definitely saved. Amen. <laughs> hey, you don't got to be from Tennessee to be related to me. You're all my kin. We wanted you to understand that and to know that. And, and when we talked through those messages, we said that there were more than 50 times that the word one another is mentioned in regard to being in the family of God. But did you know that 20 out of that 50 plus times, there's one word in front of it that, that's the equalizer every time, and it's the word love. Out of the 50 plus times it's mentioned in the scripture, 20 of those times love one another. In a previous sermon, Pastor Vance said it like this. Here's his quote. All the other one another's fall into place if we love one another. We serve each other better. We honor each other, don't we, when we love each other. They fall into place. That's why this was Jesus' commandment. Jesus said, this is my commandment. It's not a choice. It's a command. 
So the outward expression of hanging onto the vine, being controlled by the very spirit that is him, the spirit of God is loving one another. Jesus says it in this way. Another way you could say it is like this. Loving someone else is your, is, is your choice. Like you got the choice to love somebody. If you don't love them, it's simply because you have chosen not to. I hear it in my office all the time. I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. And I'm not making light of anything that anybody's ever said to me because their feelings are real. But can you understand that if you're the one seeking to disengage yourself from your spouse, if you're the one who's trying to push that away and you're blaming it on love, you never knew what love was. Love isn't a feeling. It's a choice. And as much as we choose to love each other in this room, you'll choose to love your spouse and your kids and you'll be surprised when you do. You don't have the ability apart from God. Neither do I. If we want to know how tightly we are individually hanging on to the vine, walking in the Spirit of God, then take a look at how you love other people. Just take a look. The second question is this. Am I able to love like this? You say, Tom, that just sounds like, a, like an extreme kind of love, man. That's like heavy, like... I got to all the time love somebody and there's a cho- it's a choice thing and they're, they're, you know it might not be feeling driven and if it is, it might be the wrong thing. I mean, am I able to love like that? That's the second question we're going to answer. You mean daily, intentionally, no matter the circumstances, like good and bad, I'm going to love them? Jesus said it. Remember what I said just a minute ago. Read, just as I have loved you. We are in fact able to do this because Jesus said, I'm going to do it through you. Kenneth Wiest, uh, uh, a commentator, said it like this. He said, this phrase, just as I have loved you, alludes not to a simple comparison. Okay, you got comparison of how we should love each other as Jesus does, but a conformity to Jesus that he would love others through us. In other words, not love like he loves, WWJD, you understand? That's not even biblical, by the way. Maybe a great question to ask but that he will love through you. Jesus, I want to love like you. Well, in yourself, you can't. Not because you're not going to try hard and not because you don't want to, but because you don't have the ability to do that. You don't have the dunamis to do that. You don't have the power to do it. But Jesus can through us. Can I do that? As he lives. So, comparison says this. I'll do my best to love to love like Jesus loves. I'll do my best. Conformity says, I'll love others as Jesus loves them through me. When Jesus said, just as I've loved you, he wasn't asking us to mimic him as much as he was asking us to understand our deadness and his aliveness in us. Remember, he's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do, you mean not even love? Nothing. But you know, the truth is, if that's true, ultimately people don't need the love that we have. 
We're not able to give it correctly or with the same quantity that they need and quality for sure. They need only the love that God can give to them, and he's going to give it to them through us. Now, this is an irony, but last week we talked about joy, and we said the only way we have joy is if it's Jesus' joy in us. This week, guess what? It's Jesus' love in us. The only way we have the love that other people need. And I'm going to challenge you at the end of today to do just that, to love other people. We are able to love others only if Jesus loves them through me. That's the only way people will be loved. Only as we have the Holy Spirit of God to control us. Now, last question. I'm almost finished. What does his love look like? In the next few verses, 13 to 16, because 17, he reiterates what he says in 12. He just like almost says the same thing, but he says it in a different way in 17. But 13 through 16, he tells us what this love looks like. In verse 13, he told us that it was sacrificial. Look what he says. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down, give up his life for his friends. This word greater love here is the, is the Greek word mega like mega love, like there's not anything bigger. There's no love to compare to this love. Only a person who has this kind of love would lay down his life for his friends. He was alluding to what he was going to do the next day, but understand this, he's also telling us what our love ought to be for our, our friends. You say, Tom, are you saying that we're going to have to like die for each other? That'll probably never happen. Probably. Now, we got brothers and sisters all over the world where that is happening. But for us as Americans, most of us are going to be put in a place where that's never going to happen. But can I say this? It can happen in a much different way. Maybe the question isn't, will I have to die physically for them? Maybe the question is better said by saying this, by asking this. Am I willing to die to myself for them? Do you understand what I mean? Like forget my hopes, my dreams, my wishes if it means that somebody else is blessed. If they're loved, I'll forget about my selfishness and my own desire. Maybe a better way to even say it is to say, will I live for them? Will you ever have to die physically? Probably not. But will you have to die to yourself so that they can live? Maybe. Or you can just live for yourself and really hurt them. People love to be loved. And the way they're going to be loved is going to be through us going to be through you. So first, sacrificial. Secondly, in verse 14, he shows us the love that's unconditional. He said, you're my friends. If, can you imagine Jesus looking at you and going, you're my friend? Can you imagine that? There's a deeper meaning. Listen, the Greek word for friend is where it, it, it actually comes from the root word of love. Can you believe that? You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. There was absolutely nothing that merited his love for me. There's nothing that we did that caused us to, to, uh, to cause him to want to love us. Listen, is your love for other people, especially those inside the family of God, is it sacrificial? But then secondly, is it unconditional? Are they truly your friends? Sacrificial love, love that's not based on our love, 
out of obedience, but because we want to, we want to give it up. And it doesn't matter what they've done to us. It doesn't matter how they've hurt us. It doesn't matter what they've said or not said or not done, omitted from my life. I'm going to love them unconditionally. Isn't that what he did for us? God's love is without condition. Are there conditions to your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ? You can gauge it like this. Are you keeping score? Oh, there's another one. Oh, I, I noticed. I, you, mm-hmm, what I thought. Unconditional, sacrificial, unconditional. But then thirdly, in verse 16, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. It's a willful love. It's, a, it's just because kind of love. He said, I, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You're either going to choose to love or you're going to choose not to. And it's so much better to choose to. Jesus chose to. Love's not a feeling. A feeling can accompany love. But love is ultimately a choice. I want you to think about something with me as I wrap up today. Did you know that the Gospel of John, to which we're reading today, was written no less than 55 years after Jesus said the words? Did you know that? 55 years later, here's this man now who's between 70 and 85 years old, John, who's taking a pen or one of his scribes, I'm not sure who necessarily, there's debates on that too, but whoever said, John said, here's here's what Jesus said and writes it down. No doubt the Holy Spirit brings this back to mind. But can I just tell you this? These words impacted him so much that he wrote down exactly what Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my word. Now this is the commandment. You ready? Love one another. As I've loved you. Don't try to be like me. Let me be you. Love people. Because I'm going to love them through you. Wow, what an impact John had had, had, what Jesus had had in John's life. Not only was there an impact with the scripture, but also he saw Jesus do this. I mean, he washed the feet of a man who was about to betray him. He did it so well that nobody else even recognized that Judas was the betrayer. They had seen Jesus sacrificially, unconditionally, willfully loved Judas even in that moment. He washed his nasty, dirty feet too. They had watched him forgive Peter for what he did, denying him three times before the crucifixion. Jesus shows back up and then he tells Peter, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. He puts him back in charge sacrificially, unconditionally, willfully. Is that how you love people? I ask myself that question. Is that how we love each other? As humans, we don't have the capacity to love without God. Not the way they need to be. 
But the difference that you can make in the life of another person is unbelievable. Listen to me, and unending. I want to show you a couple examples. This, um, this box right here is a box that I've had almost 25 years. It's falling apart. Especially here in Vegas, everything falls apart. But this, in this box are the notes and letters and cards that my wife gave to me when we were dating. This one was in a baggie because she put it on my windshield when it was raining. I've got some pretty neat pictures in here if you'd like to see what I'm supposed to look like, not overweight. If you'd like, if you'd like to see that. But I mean, there's all kinds. Cards. She got fancy on this one. I love to be loved by people. I love it. Don't you? This box is a different kind of box. This is a box of um, 16 years, almost 17 now going on, um, of cards, letters, and notes that I've received from people that I've shepherded in churches. So it's, I need a new box. I want to read a couple of them to you. This one's from somebody in our church. I won't read you the whole thing, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. If you're here, you know it's you. All this one says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've been a true blessing to me. Thank you. I love you. This one is from a lady who is in a different state, so I can say this. She's kind of a difficult lady. Don't look spiritual at me. <laughs> Y'all know, you know difficult people. I'm not saying she's not a believer and loves God. I'm just saying she can be difficult. When I got this card, she said, here, Pastor Tom, I want you to have this. I thought, oh, my gosh. I'm not opening it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's something I did wrong, some problem, some something. But it says, keep going. She said, you're always in my prayers. So thankful God brought you here. I love you. There's this one from a student. I just liked the cover, so I pulled it out. Said, you're a star. This is, these are a group of letters that um, I got at, um, I was a youth pastor for a little while, and I was actually youth pastor of the day at a camp. All my kids voted on me, and they wrote, wrote all these letters to the, to the person head of the camp, because there are a lot of youth pastors there, and I, I won because of the letters they wrote. Here are all their letters. I've saved every one of these. I'll show you. it. Not just because I'm a pack rat, <laughs> but because when people love me, I want to remember it. Do you know the impact that those things have in my life? Now, we got cell phones now, so nobody writes love letters, I don't think, but you should. 
have you ever been loved? Do you know the impact you can make in somebody else's life just telling them? How appreciative you are for them. To encourage them and to love them. And do you understand, most of all, that that impact is more than just you? The impact is, is that God loves them through you in that manner. About half those cards have nothing to do with the Bible. They didn't write a verse. They didn't quote their favorite thing. You know, it wasn't go to 1 John. They said, hey, man, love you. Thank you so much. You helped me. Hey, I just want to let you know you're awesome. Because most of us, unless we're just over-the-top arrogant, don't think we're awesome. It's good for somebody else to say it, right? So we're going to end today a little bit differently. As our musicians come today, Here's what we're going to do, okay? And some of you, you're going to think this is just freaky, all right? But if it's true that God loves us through each other, through his body, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. If you're here and you don't know Christ, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. That you can confess your sins, place your faith and trust in him, and he will forgive you, and you're his. That's what the Bible says. So maybe you've been contemplating for a while, giving your life to Jesus. Today may be the day. We're going to have people down here. Please come. They can help you. All you got to say is these three words, I need Jesus. That's it. You don't have to know a bunch of other stuff. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, we're going to have this open. There are going to be people here who can talk to you about that. But for the rest of us, the ones who are hope people, and for the ones of us who are followers of Jesus, I want us to do this today. And it's, it may seem a little strange, but I'm telling you, it's healthy. I want to challenge you. I want you to ask God right now for at least one person, maybe two people's names. Okay? Right now. Okay, just ask God, sorry. Ask him now for one or two names, all right? You got the name? If they're in this room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to them and just put your arms around them and love them. Tell them you love them. Say something encouraging. Say an encouraging word to them today. You don't know how it may hit the spot. You say, the name I received, Tom, was, is not in the room. Well, that's okay. As soon as we get out and you go to the courtyard, call them. Text them. But don't get in your car until you do. It can be simple. Just want you to know I love you. Maybe some of you are here today and you've got like, there's something that's friction, there's some tension between you and some other person in the room or some other person who's a believer, you just need to make that right. We are constantly saying we want to reach our city, but I'll promise you this, we can't reach our city until we understand that the love that's inside this room is the fuel that's going to fire that. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're thinking. Sacrificial, unconditional, willful. But he can do it through us and you don't even have to. Just be used as a vessel to be used by him. You say, Tom, I don't really know anybody in the room. Just tell the person next to you. Hey, I don't know you, but you know what? I love you. It's okay. So I want us to do that right now. I think that's important for us as a body to be the body to each other.